Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I am excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you, but as I've uh, warned very recently, uh, the tenor of the conversation in order to maintain that excitement is going to need to shift. And a lot of that is because the Colorado Rockies' priorities and focus is going to need to shift, and it almost certainly will over the coming weeks, because after a road trip like the one that they just had, considering that they are welcoming, if you will, the Los Angeles Dodgers and the suddenly at least competent Arizona Diamondbacks into town and then have to go out on the road and face those guys again. And then it's more games against the Padres, who, yes, they've been able to handle, but you figure that dam's going to break at some point. They're not going to win 24 straight at home against the Padres. Those guys are eventually going to get some. And so by the time you get to the end, and then it's Pittsburgh is your one respite right before the All-Star break. So going into the All-Star break, I suspect the Rockies, who are now at 11 games under 500, to be at 14 or 15 games under 500. And then you've only got a couple of weeks to the trade deadline. And so as much as I am loath to do this oftentimes uh, because I do prefer to talk about the baseball on the field much of the time, but it's been so frustratingly bad for the Rockies as of late. There's so little to talk about when you keep getting beat the exact same way. And beyond that, as we've talked about before, the mistakes just make it nearly impenetrable. Uh, We do need to look forward a little bit here and talk about some of the moving pieces. I'll do a little bit on the series. There were a couple of bright spots that you see in there. Daza continues to have his contact hitting season, doing very well, throwing out more and more hits. Uh, Connor Joe with a couple of doubles. I had called him out. Well, not called him out. I went right up to Connor Joe's face and I said, why aren't you hitting for more power? No, I just said on this show, you know, as great as his on base stuff has been, it'd be really nice to see him slug a little bit. Uh, Still haven't seen him hit a home run in a minute, but uh, the doubles uh, showed up here on the road trip for Connor Joe. Uh, I I talked about Brendan Rodgers a lot. He was really offensively uh, the best part of the trip. He's been the best part of the Rockies for a while, even though C.J. Crone continues to do his thing. As I talked about on the last show, probably will be the Rockies' all-star representative, unless maybe it's Bard, probably unlikely to be both. I had already talked about the good game from Kyle Freeland. You got an okay game out of Antonio Senzatella and an okay game out of Ryan Feltner. And at this point of the season, that's just not going to do it because then your bullpen is just, again, at best, at their best right now, they're okay. Your defense at its best right now is okay. And the offense at their best right now are not enough. And at their worst are like other Rockies offenses that struggle to put up any runs on the road and can go quiet for a minute. So I do think it's pretty much your season, folks. Now, they could surprise me here. They could come out gangbusters. And, you know, you you really do never know when a switch is going to get flipped 
on a baseball team. But I have seen quite enough of what these guys have been doing and, and not enough signs. You know, even the little things I could point to where our men Marquez has been better lately. And they are going to get Chris Bryant back this series. It sounds like finally, even though we've heard that before. And until I see him standing there in the batter's box, going to be tough to believe. But still, yes, there, there are things you can point to and look at and say this could get better this could shore up even some other young players that some of which they've already called up like Bouchard and Montero some there they still could go and look at and get if they're playing well even being super aggressive with a guy like Ezekiel Tovar but I just don't think any of that's going to be enough to pull them back into contention for this season and ultimately I think that that's really okay because they are in this unique position right now where they can trade a lot of guys, but they don't do, and I wrote about this today on milehighsports.com, you know, I can see a lot of people being like, oh, Drew, what are you new here? You think the Rockies are going to have a fire sale trade deadline? Were you not around last year when they didn't trade Trevor Story and John Gray and X, Y, and Z? And like, I get all of that. I really do. Um, You know, I've said it before and I'll say this part again. Bill Schmidt is a different human being than Jeff Breidich, and he needs to be given an opportunity to show what he will or won't do in these types of situations. But also the situation is different. Uh, This is one of the reasons why I've chosen to more and more disengage with the notion of sports coverage or sports media as a constant ongoing argument. Because, again, things like this happen where... It just gets so tunnel visioned into, well, what do the Rockies do or not do at the trade deadline? And then we end up somehow reaching the conclusion that they're going to treat Jose Glacius and Randall Gritchick the same way they treated John Gray and Trevor Story, as if those situations are anywhere similar, right? So the big difference, and I've talked a little bit about this before, but it's not just, first of all, there's the personal part, right? There, there is that sort of intangible thing. And I know that there are people, sometimes the most hardcore fans, who are more likely to listen to a podcast like this or engage regularly with a show like this, right? Who don't want this part to matter. They just want the team to do the cold, hard, logical, objective, in their mind, right thing to do. Which last year would have meant trading John Gray and trading Trevor Story and getting something for them at the trade deadline instead of in the particular case of John Gray, actually ultimately not getting anything for him. And in the case of Trevor Story, getting a a draft pick that a lot of people don't know the Rockies actually got that draft pick, but some people fairly didn't think that that was an acceptable trade-off, that they could have gotten a better player, a prospect, in a trade. I haven't seen any evidence of that, but at least there's an argument to be had there, right? But you do have to recognize at some point that Trevor Story means a lot to Rockies fans. The John Gray meant a lot to a lot of Rockies fans. And I know for, for some reason there's a lot of people who don't get that second one and don't realize that John was like the all-time leader in strikeout rate. He's a top five pitcher in a lot of categories in Rockies history. That he was the best pitcher in the National League down the stretch in 2017, which is the reason that they broke that long drought of not getting to the postseason. And yes, I know he was bad in that wild card game, but he was the guy who got them there, basically. He'd been so good. Uh, And so, yeah, there are a lot of people out there with John Gray jerseys and Trevor Story jerseys and people who are really attached to those players. 
And there was some extent to which the Rockies were hopeful that they could maybe convince those guys to come back, and it didn't go their way. All of that said, none of that is true of the guys we're talking about here today. And that, for me, I think is the most important distinction. It's not like the Rockies or Dick Monfort or even Jeff Breidich, and certainly not Bill Schmidt, has some kind of standing plan against doing things. You know, it's just there, there was a difference there, and they were kind of, especially Bill Schmidt, I felt like was caught in a lose-lose situation with Trevor Story, with Nolan Arenado having just gone out the door. And him left with the situation of, if you trade Trevor Story, people are going to be really pissed off. And if you don't trade Trevor Story, people are going to be really pissed off. And so I think he just did what he thought was best for the team. But in this case, and correct me if I'm wrong out there, hit me up in the Discord, shout at me on Twitter, do what you got to do. But I don't think, as much as I even personally have enjoyed watching uh, the veteran players I'm about to talk about, I just don't think there's this kind of attachment to them. Uh, certainly not to like a Trevor Story, right? Trevor Story's a top five, maybe top ten definitely player in franchise history, at least in terms of fan love and all of that. So let's go through them really quick. And I know we've talked about some of these guys before, but I, I want to get into a little in depth of you know where I think each one of these guys is and, and what the Rockies can maybe get for them and what it would open up for them if they were to move on from them, starting with... Veteran shortstop Jose Iglesias. Iglesias is an interesting one because in an older league, and I mean like in the 80s or 90s, he would have had a lot more value uh, because he has not played well defensively this year. Uh, and he didn't play well defensively last year. Looking through his statistics, I had really hoped that last year had been a bit of an aberration or at the very least that his you know low kind of DRS, UZR stuff was just related to a lack of range from him getting older, but that he would still at least be a player who would make those fundamental plays as veteran shortstops who have long been very good tend to do. But instead, Iglesias has been the opposite of that. He has been prone to unforced errors, little mistakes, uh, little things that just didn't, there was no reason for him to like, and when I say lollygag a throw, I don't necessarily mean that he's being lazy. Sometimes it's it's like being too relaxed or being a little too coy or a little, maybe sometimes even rushing a little bit too much, but then not getting enough behind the throw. A lot of these little things he's done. And so I don't think that there's a team out there. And again, this is why I want to dive into these conversations now, because I think for me, one of the frustrating things about trade talk is it's always like, well, you got to trade this guy, this guy, this guy, and that guy, and you got to bring in pitching. And it's like, well... In a trade, you have to think about what the other teams need and what they might be willing to give up to get for them. So think about you're a team out there and you're a few games over 500 right now and you might want to acquire some talent to help you down the stretch. You know Where is Jose Iglesias going to help you? You're probably not bringing this guy in to take over as your starting shortstop right now. Now, I'd have to look around the league, and again, this is the next layer of the conversation we can get into in the next couple of weeks, right? I can start getting specific on teams and destinations, but for now, let's just lay the groundwork. What kind of team would need Jose Iglesias? Either you've got an extraordinary need at shortstop, like you're a pretty good team, but your shortstop just isn't handling it. You've got a quadruple A guy out there and he's eating it all day. Then yeah, Iglesias is probably just going to be an upgrade for you in every way. But his primary 
plus attribute this year has been his contact hitting. He doesn't have any home runs, but he's been very good at putting bat on ball. This isn't something that he's going to get extra credit for, but is something that does matter when you're a Rocky. He's been very good on the road, which at the very least will mean that that he shouldn't get discredited for having these like extreme splits or whatever, right? Uh, the one thing that may be to the Rockies' benefit is how good he's been with runners in scoring position because I think that is likely where another team would be acquiring Jose Iglesias is to be a, a DH in certain situations or a pinch hitter in certain situations. And, and I think that makes sense for a team. Like I said, now maybe they plan to play him at shortstop some, and it, he hasn't been atrocious out there, but he certainly hasn't been good enough that most competitive teams are going to need him as their starting shortstop right now. And with him not providing any power, he also doesn't make you know, a ton of sense as a competitive team's primary DH. So this is why, despite the fact he's having a good year and he's hitting over 300 and you would think, hey, this guy's performing well. The Rockies should be able to get something for him, right? You're you're still not looking at something super great. I think you could pry a decent reliever out of somebody's system, hopefully a AAA or a AA guy, um, you, you know, preferably a lefty. That would be a real coup if they could get a left. But that's the kind of thing you're looking at there. I don't think you're going to get a great package of players right now for Jose Iglesias, but I do think that if you can basically turn this guy who's on a one-year $5 million, that's the one nice thing is that the team acquiring him doesn't have to worry about paying him in the long term or, or any of that. They're not stuck on anything. Um, but then they are only getting him for half a season. So again, this is one player with a limited skill set and half a season. So... You know, low expectations for what the Rockies could get for him, but a triple-A reliever with basically any kind of, of hope for the future would be a, a solid move for the Rockies to make there. All right, let's move on to the next player I want to talk about, which is Randall Gritchick. And, and now we're a step up from that, basically, right? Because with Gritchick, you've got an interesting profile here. He's one of the few Rockies who isn't having a terrible season defensively. He's been at times great otherwise pretty good he's he's interestingly better in right field um which is just kind of a strange thing he does have some power he's shown not as much pop as i think we're hoping but he's basically playing right to his career lines uh, honestly low batting average low on base uh, not huge strikeouts and decent slugging though that's a little bit lower than his career numbers which might even make a team think okay cool we're going to acquire him and then he's going to get to his career numbers which means he should have you know a hotter second half or whatever right the other thing though that's interesting about Gritchick is he's also signed through next year and not at a huge amount now I don't want to overburden everybody with the math here and it gets complicated when you trade out the player and then you the guy you get in half of his contract is being paid by toronto and then if you moved him and then you were stuck with half of the half that you're paying and the other team is picking up half you know it gets into the sort of ridiculous russian doll situation uh, i stole that joke from flight of the concords but yeah it's it's uh either way gritchick isn't making a ton of money is is the most important point here is that he's at about six million dollars for the next uh and that's actually for next year, for the remainder of this year. You know, again, depending on when you trade him, it's going to be closer to three. But whoever's picking him up would be getting a guy who could contribute 
in uh, again a number of, as we've seen you can kind of move Gritchick in and out of the lineup you can have him dh sometimes uh, again it all depends on the defenders you've got in the outfield if you need some help in your corner he can even play a decent center uh, so he's somebody that again i don't think fans are super attached to he's not providing so much value right now that uh, your team is going to fall apart without him uh, he's been fun to see and if the rockies have been a bit more competitive i, I think he's a guy you could have kept around a, a little bit longer and who could have been a part of that but it just hasn't gone that way and so uh, he's someone i think you can get a little more value out of again because he does hit for power and because he, his contract goes through next season uh, so maybe you can get maybe a little bit more of a name reliever uh, somebody you think you could actually turn into something if you wanted to target a starter because you're not sure quite what the future of the rotation is going to look like with how up and down they've been this year and with uh, you know, Chad Cool being the one guy who's been pretty solid, and he's only on a one-year contract, so you can look at that. You you can even certainly, if the best deal on the table is some position player talent, there's nothing wrong with that either. I think in this situation, it's one where you've got to take the best deal available from whatever team is in need of a Randall Gritchick type of player. Uh, because the, the big thing here is just being able to kind of spread out the value the Rockies have some interesting outfielders coming up through the pipeline. It's it's one of the places where they do have some depth. You know, we'll see what Sean Bouchard can do. We know obviously Sam Hilliard has had a little bit of his issues, and so we'll we'll see if he can get back on track. Uh, they've got a few other guys. Ryan Vallade has made himself an outfielder, and he seems to have righted the ship a little bit. But outfield is also just one place where the Rockies have always been able to get talent. And so I think it's something that if you move on from Gritchick, basically whatever you can get for him, if you can get out from underneath some of that money, uh, because I don't think he's going to help you win this year, and, and you can find ways to replace him for next year. Even though it was a good deal, it was a good move to bring him in in the first place, as much as I you know, hated it, <laughs> and as much as I miss Raimel Tapia. Uh, I, you know, I think this is precisely because this part of it was also on the table, and you could do such a thing. Uh, the big position player one, and again, I've alluded to this before, but it would be C.J. Crone. Uh, this is a player where obviously you could get something. You could get a legitimate prospect maybe for C.J. Crone because he's hitting so well. He's hitting for power. Uh, he's taking great at-bats. He's proved a, a pretty solid consistency now for several years. Uh, and he does have another year left on his deal at a very, very reasonable price. And so I think this is exactly uh, the ceiling for what the Rockies could do in terms of a trade. Now, this would be the hardest one for Rockies fans to stomach because while C.J. Crone isn't Trevor Story or Nolan Arenado by a long shot, he's certainly one of the few bright spots on the team right now. Uh, he, he's been one of the best things to watch about this team over the last year and a half, uh, and there haven't been a lot. He is a true leader. He loves being here. I think I've talked about this before, but it would be tough for him as a guy who's really appreciated the consistency of finally playing in one place for more than a year. And so it would be kind of a bummer if that's what happened. But if a really, you know, if a competitor wants him and is willing to part with, uh, and, and again, here, this is where I think, you do have to be more particular about the package. If you're going to part from C.J. Crone right now, you've got to be getting some contributing pitchers within the next couple of years to come in here and and really help pave the way for the next 
competitive version of the Rockies and for it to be not too far out so you can get out from the bad taste of having to trade all of your good players over these couple of years, right? But this one I can see going either way. I can see them hanging on to Crone because they love him so much because he loves them, the clubhouse stuff and and all of those things. And, and I do think you've got to be, like I said, very picky about the package. That's one where a team's got to blow you away if you're going to move on from him because as much as some of the analytic folks and some people in media or, or whoever, even some hardcore fans really don't want to admit it, like you got to give the fans a reason to come to the ballpark. And if the only reason to come to the ballpark is something that you trade away, it's just a, another gut punch out there. So you've got to be able to say, yeah, we got something pretty great back and here's what it is. And so, yeah, those are the position players. And then you have the couple of relievers that I think would be really interesting to take a look at, too. Uh, you know, Tyler Kinley, unfortunately, on the shelf for the rest of the season, not going to be able to. Uh, entice any team with him though he's maybe a guy you want to keep around for your future anyway I think I talked before about how I think Alex Colomay makes perfect sense to move on from because I don't think he's a guy that's got too much good to great baseball left in him but he's continued to be good this year I don't think he's going to be a part of future Rockies bullpens but he's managed to find success in the most difficult place in baseball to pitch I think he can sell that to teams everyone who's in a race needs a reliever uh, these are the types of moves that the Rockies have made in the past they did it with Michael Givens and so this is something that I think again you tend not to get a ton for relievers but you can restock your system a little bit get a younger pitcher um, it's not going to be a top-end prospect anything like that but somebody who can be a part of your future and maybe does actually end up blossoming into something pretty amazing and then the more and more i think about it and i don't think i talked about him the last time we broached this topic but daniel bard has got to be on this list and again, a borderline all-star. He's been fantastic this season. He's thrown wicked stuff. Just about any team in a pennant race could use him. And while I actually wouldn't be shocked if he pitches till he's like 40 or 41, just because again, a lot of times with, with an arm, it's more about the bullets, right? It's the number of pitches that you throw. Now, age does have a factor. At some point, he's going to slow down. But look, look at him. Look, so 99 mile an hour sinkers at age 37. So I think he's got another couple years in him precisely because his time off, you know, he wasn't wearing down his arm during those years. So I don't think he's like on the verge of being done. That said, I think it's reasonable to expect as he moves into, you know, next year around this time. Again, those of you who are really good at math, <laughs> he's going to turn 38. Right? You're, you're getting up there at that point. And so, you know, with how good he's pitching, this is one where I think the Rockies maybe could entice a team to part with something that's uh, a little bit more than maybe they would want to, to actually go out and get not an A-level prospect, but maybe a B-level prospect for Daniel Bard, for a team that's in the hunt but desperately needs help in their bullpen bringing in a guy who throws a 99 mile an hour sinker and backs it up with a wipeout slider is going to be very very enticing especially some of these teams that have deeper systems and maybe they've got glut at one position or another and you know those are the types of things that you can hunt i think with crone and bard and i don't think they're guys you have to trade but i think they're really interesting candidates 
uh, for moving on. And Bard in particular, I think you've got to be fielding calls on him because he's just been so good this year. He's going to be a hot commodity. Teams are going to want him. And if you can pry the next Daniel Bard out of somebody else's system, and by that I mean the next player who can come from semi-relative obscurity but end up pitching really well for the Rockies, you know, you're going to need those guys for next year and beyond. They need to completely rebuild their bullpen almost from the ground up. And it starts with trades like this, with moving on from guys like this. They need to reinforce their rotation, especially if Ryan Rollison and Peter Lambert are going to continue to struggle with injuries. They're going to need some help out there because it's a while before any of the other guys in the system are going to be ready. Maybe Christmas, uh, Chris McMahon, Christmas man, <laughs> Christmas man. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, and I think all of this is doable. I'm curious to see what Bill Schmidt does. Uh, but I think the other, you know, bright side of this, of, of moving on from any of these guys, is the number of extra opportunities that it's going to give to, you know, if you move on from those guys, as I talked about the position players, then you can open up spots for Montero, Bouchard, if they want to call up Ezekiel Tovar eventually, or, you know, more like Ryan Valade, wherever they're feeling on that. Maybe even a guy like Winton Bernard gets an opportunity. Who knows? In the bullpen, younger pitchers, who, yes, they've had their ups and downs, but again, if the season is slipping away from you and you need to get what you can now for Colome and Bard, then just throw guys like Robert Stevenson and Justin Lawrence out there in all the big spots, and even when they fail, let them pitch till they succeed. And, and if it doesn't end up coming around, then you'll know maybe these guys aren't a part of our future. And if they do end up coming around, you've let them work through their difficult times in a season that had been slipping away anyway. And now, boom, you've got a couple of fantastic pieces of your future. And there are a few other guys in that category as well. Jake Bird might be one, for example. So you're opening up opportunities for these younger players. You're giving these veterans a chance to go and play for some teams where they can maybe contribute uh, to some postseason baseball. And you're not killing the fans. Maybe CJ Crown hurts, but the rest of them, I think the fans would be like, yes, we totally understand what you're doing here. And I think Bill Schmidt, just knowing how he's handled this stuff so far, would be willing to and able to come out and answer questions about, yeah, here's why we moved on from these guys. Here's what we got back. And here's what we're looking at doing and turning this thing around. And it'll be for next year. Look, they're never going to commit to a long-term rebuild. So keep all that in mind, too. You always move veterans for younger players, but they'll be targeting guys in AA and AAA who are going to be ready to contribute before too long. So let's watch this space. Let's, I guess, watch this series against the Dodgers. I mean, we'll watch it. We'll watch it. Some of us will watch it <laughs> and, uh, and we'll see what happens. But thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. I appreciate you all. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at Drew Creaseman, uh, hanging out in the Discord channel. If you're interested about that, just let me know. Otherwise, reading all the written content at milehighsports.com, checking out all the other Mile High Sports podcasts. And congratulations to the Colorado Avalanche on winning Lord Stanley's Cup. Thank you to everyone who helped uh, make this new fan feel welcome in the community. I'm very, very new to hockey still. Uh, I feel like a little bit of a tourist getting so much 
success right away in my hockey fandom and like I've been a baseball fan my whole life and the team has only made it to the World Series once and didn't win any games once they got there and it's like I become a hockey fan and they go and win the Stanley Cup in year two and I'm like this is amazing Uh, and it is and it's been a whole lot of fun but uh, shout out to everyone who's lived through the tough years uh, and thanks to everyone who's been really cool to me in the hockey community so that was cool to see thank you all for continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ball. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.